0: all right man so last time we talked about the the creation as temple and future temples and tabernacles as patterns of the garden of eden of the initial creation and now i think we should talk about genesis 1 as the Exodus. I think we should talk about how the Exodus motif shows up in Genesis one because that is going to be important throughout the entire book, and will set us up to see how the narrative develops a little more plainly.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed our conversation last time, as we just kind of saw this theme of a temple come full circle from Genesis, where you've got uh, the the temple, uh, God's cosmic temple. Overlapping on the mountain of the Garden of Eden, and then uh, after the fall, at some point that that was removed, and so there was a separation between heaven, the heavens and earth, and then you've got the the temple and the tabernacle as being kind of microcosms or, or patterns or or, or uh, small versions of the of the heavenly temple here on earth. But then you get to Revelation finally, and we are back to where we started with the Garden of Eden, where um, the heavens have now again overlapped with the earth. And uh, it's just a beautiful story that, that you see throughout Scripture.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so what we're going to see as we talk about the Exodus in the creation account, there's a lot of literary connections between the exodus of Israel and the creation of the world. So much so that we're supposed to read these two stories in tandem, supposed to see the creation as sort of a preliminary exodus in a sense, or at least Yahweh using the same means to create as he does to deliver his people, and also to create a new people, to bring Israel out of Egypt, to separate them from Egypt, and then create them into a new entity, which will now be his kingdom of priests.
1: All right, so what are some of the similarities between the Exodus motif and the and the creation story? We're, like, what's step one?
0: Yeah, so the first thing is in Genesis 1, verse 2 and verse 6. First we see Yahweh's spirit, his ruach, the breath of God, and the separating of waters. The same words are used together. Then in Exodus fourteen twenty-one we see an east wind, an east ruach, which again we talked about east last time with the temple, the garden faces east, suggesting that this might be a ruach that is from God or from his dwelling. And then we see the waters separated. In this case it's the Reed Sea or the Red Sea. So, and so it's,
1: it's this idea of bringing them out of chaos, too, like or, uh, bringing order to the chaos and yeah. like separating the waters and the Spirit of God, the the breath of God.
0: Yeah, and that's the next thing is because we see how the sea, or we've talked about before, how the sea is associated with Yahweh's enemies. Right. And so here, well, even in Psalm 74, you, you divided the sea and crushed Leviathan. Those, those concepts are associated. So here the sea is divided and restrained the the elements of ruin are restrained in Exodus 14:21 for instance
1: Yeah we said so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back uh, a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided
0: Yeah and then verse 28 those waters come back in and destroy the the chariots and the horsemen and all of Pharaoh's army and so we see Yahweh, again, defeating his enemies here in the same way that he restrains the ruin in creation. So then, as these, going back to the waters when they part, in Genesis 1-9, the dry land appears, also in Exodus 14-21. Again, dry land appears. Then a new humanity is brought out of these separated waters. In Genesis one twenty six. again, we have... A new humanity created, or Genesis 2 verse 7, that's where humanity is created in, in that chapter. And then in Exodus 19, 4 through 5, we're not explicitly told that Israel is a new creation in those terms, but we've talked about how that functional ontology concept, how the way that Yahweh creates is not by you know, zapping atoms into being, but by separating out something from something that is in a state of ruin and then molding it, changing it, making it into something good. And here he has taken Israel out of the ruin of Egypt, their oppression there brought them through the waters, just like he did in Genesis one. And then he has set them aside and commissioned them to be his treasured possession, to be his nation of priests. They are now a, a new nation, a new creation.
1: So this is interesting. In chapter 15 of Exodus, uh, there, there's a song that Moses is singing here after after the they've gone through the or the Red Sea. Uh, and in verse 13, you have led in your steadfast love, your hesed, the the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode, and so into your into His presence.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that is going to be picked up. Again, later in the Torah, and we're going to see um, that continue, the idea of God creating people and bringing them to himself. Huh.
1: The, the, the word uh, in Hebrew is nawe, and it can mean grazing place. Kind of get a, a garden image a little oh, that's bit. That's interesting.
0: Okay, yeah. That's cool. Actually, I hadn't looked at that.
1: Mean, like pasture. is It's translated pasture several times.
0: That was definitely a good point. But the, the new creation idea, at least, you see that again, um, well, you see it in... I think it's just interesting to bring up Isaiah 43 because he talks about there in verse 1. But now, thus says Yahweh, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And uh, through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. So it's, it's going back through, again, recalling some of this Exodus imagery. And whether he's referring directly to the Exodus event or not, he sees yahweh as creating and forming israel again by taking them out from one people and designating them as a new entity who he has redeemed and set aside called by name and given a new purpose really having an understanding of that that functional ontology i think helps to see some of these new creation events that may have been a little more clear to the original audience so now that we have our new humanity created in Exodus 15, do you Exodus 15, verse 17? Sure.
1: You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. There's that word abode again.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. So he's bringing them into his temple. So now that he's created this new humanity, in Genesis 2, 15, he takes Adam and rests him, puts him, nuachs him in the garden. Exodus 15, 17 talks about also Israel being brought into Yahweh's abode. It's not the same word there um, for, for put or rested, but you do see it in Deuteronomy 11, 8 through 12, or Joshua 21, 44. There's this idea of, again, as Israel is brought out of Egypt, through the waters, there then Nuach rested in Canaan, in, in God's promised, chosen land where he is going to dwell.
1: And isn't that the same word that's used uh, to describe God resting on the seventh day in his temple uh, when we get to like, is it Deuteronomy? Uh, Exodus 20, 11. Exodus
0: 20. Yeah, so yeah, Yahweh also Nuach after he makes creation in Exodus 20. We should have had that verse a couple weeks ago. That yeah, really that would good. have been helpful. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was good to remember, though. So we've also talked about, again, the creation of the temple already in Genesis 1. Obviously, um, half of Exodus chapters 35 through 40 are consumed with the construction, the building of the tabernacle, God's temple, the place where he's going to dwell. So, again, you have that correspondence, the creation of a temple is involved, and then humanity is is rested in his dwelling there's also the blessing of that humanity to be fruitful and multiply. You have that in Genesis 1, 28, applied to the first humans. And then in Leviticus 26, 3 through 11 and Deuteronomy 11, 7 through 16, it's applied to Israel. And I know that Maybe it's confusing saying, um, talking about Leviticus and Deuteronomy, those are not the book of Exodus. They're not close necessarily to the story of Exodus, but you got to remember once Israel comes out of Exodus, the rest of the Torah is their story of them getting into the promised land, getting into Canaan. So that, that whole segment is one big Exodus cycle. And so the, the themes and imagery that run through that entire section are part of the Exodus motif that we see here in Genesis 1. Really, the the author has taken a lot of these themes and compressed them down from the other four books of the Torah into Genesis 1. And he'll do it elsewhere as well in Genesis, we'll see. So, also, humanity, they act as priests. We see that, again, in Genesis 2.15. Exodus 19, we see Israel is commissioned as a kingdom of priests. They are each given a command. Humanity is not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis two, sixteen through seventeen, and then Deuteronomy thirty fifteen. They are commanded. Mm.
1: Yeah, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God.
0: Um, yeah. So I mean there we have both both of them are given a command based on good and evil, Tov and Ra on pain of death.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, he goes on to say, "Even I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, yeah, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live."
0: Yeah, and then you know, one more correspondence is the covenant aspect and the marriage mm. aspect. So in Genesis two twenty five or sorry Genesis two twenty two through twenty five is the essentially the, the marriage of. Yeah, the man
1: and the woman, and there's covenant language here, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's absolutely that covenant language of you know, this is the last bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Um, that is familial language. We yeah. see it whenever, like, Laban applies that to Jacob. You're surely my bone and flesh, or um,
1: yeah, you're now my family.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's a declaration that they are now my flesh and, and blood. And Adam takes Eve to be his to be his wife. Now, that's significant because reflecting on the Sinai Covenant, the prophets will look back and look at that as the marriage between God and his people. If you see actually in uh, Ezekiel 16, it's very explicit that he talks about he saw this, um, this baby who was dying in its own blood and he picked it up, took it out of Egypt and dressed it and nurtured it, took care of it, and then finally um, he you know, married this girl when she came of age, and that is a depiction of Sinai. He gave her all these ornaments, which is the the wisdom of the law, and just, all, again, all these um, correspondences with Sinai. So it's significant that, first of all, there's there's a covenant there, and there's also a covenant at, at Sinai. Maybe that's kind of a loose correspondence, but I think it is significant that the prophets later reflect on the Sinai event as a marriage between Israel and and God. And backing that up even further is so there's another book called the called Hidden But Now Revealed by Benjamin Glad and G.K. Beale. And that book goes through the meaning of the word mystery as it's used in the Bible. So the word mystery in the Bible is used to describe something that was Always true, but hidden. It's referring to, for instance, Paul in Ephesians says that the the mystery of marriage is that marriage corresponds to Christ and the church. The husband and the wife correspond to Christ and the church. He calls that a mystery. He's not saying, this is a cool little analogy that I found. He's actually telling his audience that the Bible intended for us originally to see the covenant between man and woman in Genesis 2 as corresponding to Yahweh's covenant with humanity and with Israel later in the Bible. And so, Paul at least, it seems that he believes that we are supposed to read Genesis 2, that marriage, as connected to the marriage of Yahweh and his people. It's not just an interesting analogy, but it's actually something inherent within the text. That might even be why we're told that the man is supposed to leave his father and mother and go to the woman when that is not the cultural case at all. Um, But Mm. we do have God coming to his people and then Jesus coming to his people, you know, repeatedly throughout scripture. Mm. So that may not be the case, but it's interesting to consider. Now that's kind of where the Exodus motif ends here, except for um, a couple more correspondences that, ideally wouldn't be there. And that is the the fall. So after all this, they're given this command of good and evil on pain of death. Both Israel and the first humans receive these commands, but then they both fail to keep those commands. Adam and Eve listen to the serpent, and they take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Israel, immediately after coming out of the Exodus, they start worshiping an idol. And then also you can follow that to later in their history where they continue to fall and to rebel against Yahweh and to choose evil and death instead of life and good. And ultimately this results in, not death, but Adam and Eve being exiled east, their fruitfulness being frustrated, Adam has to work the ground now, the childbearing process is going to be different and more difficult now. And very similar language is used in Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28 about how if they rebel their fruitfulness will be frustrated. They won't have children the same way. Their crops won't bear much fruit. Their their flocks will be less productive, and then they will be invaded and killed and exiled. Then you get to places like Second Kings seventeen or Micah one, and you see that Babylon, which is east of Israel, come and they wipe out Israel and Judah and they exile them east. So, what we have, let me just run through these correspondences very quickly just to give us a high-level view of the correspondences between the exodus and the creation. We have the Rock of God and dark waters that are separated. The ruin and the enemies of God are restrained and defeated. Dry land appears. A new humanity is created. A temple is created. Those people are then rested in Yahweh's dwelling in his garden they are blessed to be fruitful and multiply, they are commissioned to subdue, they act as priests, they are given a marriage and a covenant, and then they are given commandments regarding good and evil, life and death, and they are told to keep those commandments lest they die. Well, they go ahead and break those commandments, and they are, instead of dying, they are exiled, and their fruitfulness is frustrated. So, again, I hope it's clear enough that the, the author intends for us to read these stories together and to see the creation really not only as an act of creation, but as Yahweh's first exodus act. The the creation and the exodus are not separable events, but creation is part of exodus.
1: Yeah, and it sets us up at the end of the day for Jesus um, yeah. as the, the new Moses mm-hmm. uh, uh, bringing his people uh, into the promised land.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Helping us to to pass through the, the same ruin and chaos that he did from life to death and be brought to be rested in his temple.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's and, where it and, was, and what does he call the church? His bride, right? And so, right. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of correlations uh, to Christ.
0: Yeah. And then Good we, stuff. We won't have that uh, ending on the end where there's the rebellion and all that. So that's, the, that's yeah, where the exodus motif will, will end in the end.
1: Yeah, yeah good good i love it
0: we'll see the show up again later in genesis but uh, for now just let that help you read this story have some coherence um in it and then we'll go back through and since we kind of breezed over chapter two and chapter three and discussing this we'll go hit some high level points in those chapters and then continue on with the book of genesis sounds like a plan all right talk to you later